Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name is Lady Jen, and I am just so, so excited to see each and every one of you here today. Are y'all feeling good? Good. I am so happy to welcome each and every one of you. If it's your first time at Link Church, I know Pastor has already done it, but welcome again. And if it's not your first time, then thank you for joining us again. I have to give honor to God uh, because God is really the only reason why I am able to make it through each and every day, each and every week. And I'm sure you can attest to the fact that it's only God why you're still standing. With all of the tests and trials that you have come through in life, you know that it is only God why you are still here. And I also have to give honor to our pastor, Pastor Mark. He is awesome. Have to give honor to my husband. Yes, you can clap him. I am excited about the Word of God, so I am going to get right into it. And so I'm going to ask if you would uh, turn to two passages of Scripture with me today. The first passage of Scripture is Acts chapter 8, verses 36 through 39. And then the second passage is going to be 3 John, verse 2. And some people are like, whoo, 3 John, I ain't been back there in a minute. That's far. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can actually just uh, pay attention to the screens. The scriptures will be up there. But we have uh, something that we like to do here at Link Church, which is we stand to our feet once we found the word of God. It just uh, is one of our ways that we honor God's word. So Acts chapter 8, verses 36 through 39, and then 3 John, verse 2. Uh, And I'm going to read them in your hearing It looks like everybody is on their feet, so it looks like you are right where you need to be. So here begins the reading of God's word. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch and he baptized him and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing then we're turning over to third John verse 2 and it says beloved I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. We're continuing with this series Thrive that our pastor started a few weeks ago, Uh, but today I'd like to speak to you from the subject alive but not living. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you today for your grace. We are so grateful for your mercy and for your love. And God, today we are also asking for your power. We are asking, oh God, that your word would come forth with power, with authority, oh God, and with clarity. God, we know and we trust that your word is going to do exactly what you have set out for it to accomplish this morning. God, I ask that you would just allow me to decrease because God, we need your 
spirit to increase. God, I ask that you would allow every word that you want spoken to come forth today. Leave no stone unturned today, God, because we know that your people stand in need of your word. And God, you are ready and you are going to deliver it. We thank you that every demonic assignment and every hindrance that want to keep this word from going forth will not prevail. But God, your word and your spirit will prevail. And we thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. You know, I saw a meme once uh, that said, you attract what you fear. And I'm sure the person who uh, wrote that meme and had it floating on social media was quite serious in what they were saying, uh, when they were saying that you attract what you fear. Uh, but somebody turned it into uh, kind of a joke, and so they um, took a screenshot of the meme and they added their own words to it. And so above where it said, you attract what you fear, uh, somebody else took it and wrote, God, I'm afraid of $15 million, right? And had an arrow like pointing down. And so I was like, that's pretty good. I was like, you know, if you attract what you fear, God, I'm afraid of of being a multi-billionaire. I'm afraid of a 10-bedroom house that has 12 bathrooms. I'm afraid of marble floors. I'm afraid of a Range Rover, God. I'm fearful, Jesus. I'm terrified. If I attract what I fear, I'm afraid of being invited to the palace uh, over in England and sitting with the queen because, God, I'm shaking in my boots every time I think about just going to the bank and having loads and loads of money. I'm scare me, terrify me, God. Because after all, if you attract what you fear, then I think most of us would say, oh, well, then after all, I fear success. I fear popularity. I fear good health. And I know what that person was originally trying to say because uh, when I was in uh, college, we learned about something called self-fulfilling prophecy where people, it's not even that they want bad things to happen, but it's almost like uh, they say it so much, they're afraid of it, um, they're so timid, they're so overwhelmed by it that it actually a lot of times ends up happening. Um, and so uh, we call, uh, the secular world calls it self-fulfilling prophecy. We in church, we just simply call it uh, life and death being in the power of the tongue. And so if you speak something enough, chances are it is going to eventually manifest. But I know that the person who made a joke out of the meme and said, well, God, then I'm afraid of $15 million, they said that because uh, they were basically indicating the fact that they're, they actually want to get more. And in life, it is actually common to want more. That is human nature. Now, depending on where you are in life or what things you set um, as your top priority, it may differ from person to person what they want more of. Uh, but everybody in life, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't want more of at least one thing. So for some people, it is money. Right? For some people, it doesn't matter if they uh, are working a typical nine to five just trying to make ends meet, or if they have the same uh, amount of money that is equal to like Bill Gates and Oprah. Both people would probably say, well, you know what? I could use a little bit more cash, right? So a lot of people want more money. Then some people have a lot of money, but they don't want more of that. They want more health or better health because, you see, uh, that's the one thing that a lot of times money can't buy you. And so we see examples of, of people like um, uh, the guy, uh, the Apple guy, I don't know why his name is, Steve Jobs. Uh, 
tons of money, but in the latter years of his life, his health was failing him, and there was nothing that his money could do to stop that ailment. So some people would say, keep your money, I'd rather be in good health, or I'd rather have stability of mind. For other people, they want more education, uh, and so they're like, hey, high school diploma is great, but I also want to go to college, and after I, wanna, after I go to college, I want to get more and more, and for some people, uh, they want more love, and, and not just even necessarily romantic love, though that can be part of it, but some people just want to fix their family relationships. Some people want to fix their friendships. Uh, some people uh, want to find a group or a tribe that they vibe with, which is why you can also join a small group, says a sidebar. Uh, but some people want to feel that connection. They want more of that. And whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ or not, uh, there are some basic things about human beings that are common to all of us that make us the same. And so even though those of us that are sitting in here, I believe uh, most, if not all of us in here do believe in Jesus Christ, if we were to talk to our Muslim neighbors uh, in a mosque or we were to talk to our Hindu neighbors in another temple, one thing that we'd all have in common is there is at least one thing in life that we want more of. And I actually don't have a problem with Christians wanting more. Some people are on one extreme or the other. So some people are on the extreme uh, where they call it the prosperity gospel. And uh, it's all about name it and claim it. I can have three cars because, you know, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, I can have 10 houses. I can have all the education uh, that I want. And, and so it's this name it and claim it type of thing. And then you have those to the other extreme that are like, well, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be close to God, you know, you got to be poor, not just poor in spirit, uh, but poor in your bank account. Well, I rebuke that because the Bible says money answereth all things. Okay, so when your uh, bill collectors call and ask you to pay your bill, you go ahead and try and tell them that Jesus paid it all. Your phone will be cut off right in the middle of the sentence. They're looking for cash right? So you need money. And I don't have a problem with Christians wanting more. I don't think God has a problem with Christians wanting more. I believe God wants us to live our best life. Everybody that loves God will not live the same life, not because he loves any person any less, but he knows what we can handle. He knows what we are called to. And so often what we have access to has to do with what we are called to. And so sometimes depending on who you need to reach, he may have to stretch your resources sources that much more. Uh, but I believe that every person in here absolutely can live their best life and that God would want them to. So that is not where I have the issue. Where I have the issue is when we see Christians who are living extravagant material lives, but they are living below their means spiritually. It is okay to have the nice cars and the exceptional uh, gated community that you live in and your nice clothes and your education. But when you are living below your means spiritually, what have you really gained? So many people have been so focused on seeking God's hand that they have not been seeking his heart. So many people have been so focused on seeking God's resources and his money that you've not taken the time to seek his mind. 
So many people have uh, been seeking uh, God for a hand out and they're always coming with their hands stretched out and God is looking for those who will come to him with their hands raised in worship and in praise, being grateful for what they already have, saying, God, I know that you want to prosper me in the natural, but I really need you to prosper me in the spiritual. I really need you to enlarge my territory in the spirit realm because while you're driving your nice car and living in your nice home and watching your big screen TV, if your relationship with God is not as it should be and if your soul is not prospering, you, my friend, have gained nothing. For the Bible even asks us, what does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? And I fear that there are many Christians, not just those who don't know Christ, because sometimes we look at that scripture and we only think about those who have had no encounter with Jesus Christ. But I wonder how many have had an encounter with God, how many have uh, experienced God, maybe even developed a relationship with God and are also in danger of losing their soul. Their soul is not prospering. And see, this series that we're doing is talking about thriving. And many of us even spiritually have learned to survive, but spiritually we have not even crossed over into thriving. And that is what God is dealing with us today. See, you can attend church regularly, and we want you to do that. You can join a small group, and we want you to do that. You can even know your Bible, and we want you to know that. But that actually does not mean that your soul is prospering. I mean, think about, if you want to have an extreme example, think about the enemy. Satan actually knows scripture. He knows how to speak in tongues. Soul not prospering, though. Coming to church each and every week is not what causes your soul to prosper. It is not what goes on externally that means that your soul is prospering, but your soul prospering has everything to do with what's going on internally. And what's going on internally has a great weight on what is going to happen to you eternally. But so many of us forget that there is absolutely life after this. We are so focused on what we can get in this world that we forget that at a moment's notice it can be cut off and then what? Because once you are in the grave, there is no repentance. There is no going back. There is no saying, God, I wish I had paid more attention to my soul. That is absolutely it. And so you have to uh, rem make sure that you are not storing up only earthly treasures, but that you are storing up treasures in heaven. When I was a kid, that's all they used to talk about sometimes, it seemed like, uh, was storing up your treasures in heaven. We even had a song that went with it. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, right? Because uh, they knew that it was great to have the finer things in life, but what happens after life? And if your soul has not prospered here on this earth, what would make you think that you are in a position for your soul to prosper once you leave here. But how did some of us as Christians and as children of God get to a point where our souls aren't prospering? Well, I believe that it starts with this belief that I don't have any more to get. See, some of us do the bare minimum. Yeah. 
You know people that like on your job like do the bare minimum? Or like people in a, a group project that do the bare minimum? That's why I hated group projects in college. And I remember even in grad school, we were doing group projects and I was like, lady, we're, I'm paying for this class. So if you could not put me in a group with people who waste money, I, I would appreciate it. And so I was in grad school and we had this group project to do. And um, as usual, there were three of us in the group and one person was like slacking off significantly. Um, and so the other two of us were working hard because we didn't want to get, uh, you know, a failing grade or an average grade just because the other person didn't pull their weight. And so we were really upset and uh, we emailed the professor and we're like, hey, listen, this is unacceptable. So-and-so is not pulling their weight. And she was like, well, what are you going to do in the real world? Are you going to just throw your coworker under the bus? And my group member was like, well, I know. I mean, if there's a bus available. <laughs> so, you know, be that as it may, that person got an A without doing any work. Did the bare minimum. So they would, like, come to the group meetings, come to class, maybe hand in, like, a little tiny bit of their um, portion of the project so that we weren't able to honestly say they did absolutely nothing. But they did, like, the bare minimum. Uh, and some people go through life doing the bare minimum. But it is dangerous to play that type of a game with your soul. But some of us do the bare minimum when it comes to our souls, when it comes to our relationship and when our with our walk with God. And so if God were to say, if there was a scripture in the Bible that said, uh, if you go to church seven times out of the year, you'll be saved. Some people would still go every Sunday because they want more and they want more and they want more. Some people would be like, okay, let me map out my seven Sundays now so that the rest of the Sundays I can plan my vacay, right? Bear, God, you said seven. I did seven. Know what? You know what, God? I'm going to do eight. I'm going to go ahead and do eight because I, lo I love you, sir, and I'm appreciative. I'm going to go ahead and do eight, right? Bare minimum. Uh, and, and so that is how some of us get to a point where our souls don't prosper because we do the absolute bare minimum. Instead of really taking the time to delve into this scripture and to read and to apply it to our lives and to research and see what was going on in that time period and how does this mean that and how can we cross-reference one scripture with another, we'll do those, uh, those version Bible app devotions that take about three minutes tops and we're done. And I like you version. I have plans on my phone right now that I'm going through. But what I'm saying is if you've been walking with God for 5, 10, 15 years, why are you limiting yourself to a you version Bible app and no more? Don't think that there's more for us to get. So we do the bare minimum in our prayer life. We'll, we'll, we'll pray, we'll acknowledge God. God, thank you for this day. Keep me safe, my family safe. Help me to love my enemies in Jesus' name and I'm done. Right? And when I was growing up as a kid, my parents had me pray this prayer. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now the traditional uh, remainder of that prayer says, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. My parents changed it because they had started teaching me this prayer around three years old. And they said they thought it would be a little morbid for a three-year-old to be like going to bed thinking that way. So they changed it to uh, angels keep me through the night and bring me to the morning light. So that's how I would finish the prayer. And at three years old, that was great. 
It was great. But now that I'm over 30, that's not going to work anymore. Because now I've got an enemy that is on my track. He's after my husband. He's after my kids. He's after this church. And I'm not letting him have any of it. So now the now I lay me down to sleep prayer is not going to work. My soul's not going to prosper that way. Now I've got to get on my knees and in his face. And I'm going to say, take your filthy hands off of my stuff. You can't have my husband's health. You can't have my children lives you cannot have my soul you cannot have all the blessings that belong to me because I know exactly who I am I know who I belong to I know what belongs to me and if you still have any of it in your care I am serving you a notice now it's not a two-week notice it's not a 60-day notice you are evicted effective immediately But you can't pray that kind of prayer if you've not been consistently exercising that muscle known as prayer. Prayer is a muscle. I'm not saying the first time you go down on your knees to pray and talk to God, you have to be there for an hour. God is reasonable. If it's your first time, your first couple times praying to him, he's really looking for quality over quantity. Because you could spend two hours saying nothing. Right? I mean, you could just... Scroll through and look at the Pharisees. Vain words. But at the same time, at some point, your prayer life should be growing. At some point, your reading of the word should be growing. At some point, your ability to handle things in life should also be growing. And so uh, uh, sometimes we get into this rut and we don't seek for more because we feel good. We feel comfortable. God, I, I've been attending church. I do my version app. I acknowledge you in the morning. And the enemy has deceived us into thinking that there is no more for us to get. But if you look at that passage of scripture that we read first uh, in Acts chapter 8, I didn't read the entire passage for the sake of time. But basically what's going on is uh, Philip is having an encounter or a conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch was from... Oh, okay, okay, y'all getting a little, okay, getting nervous, like, a little hesitant, right. Okay, it's like, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Oh, people are like, Grant's tomb? Oh, man, I don't know who's in there. Okay, Grant. So, um, but yes, so the Ethiopia, thank you, say the Ethiopian eunuch was from ding, 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 Ethiopia, okay? Just making sure you guys are still with me. Uh, and so the Ethiopian eunuch, he's talking to Philip, uh, but what happens is he's reading uh, the book of Isaiah uh, when Philip comes across him, and Philip is basically asking him if he understands what's going on in, in the scriptures, and he's like, how can I if somebody doesn't explain it to me, right? So Philip uh, dis decides, hey, I'm going to expound the scriptures. I'm going to preach to him. I'm going to tell him what these scriptures mean. Uh, and so the Ethiopian eunuch, though, uh, the Bible tells us as they're going on their way, he sees water, and he's like, wait, what's hindering me from being baptized? And I love it because the Ethiopian eunuch uh, is not worried about what the water looks like. He's not worried about how deep or how shallow it is. He's not worried about the name of that body of water. He just is like, here's an opportunity for me to get more, and I'm going to take it. See, the Bible could have easily told us uh, that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
And, and, and when Philip asked him, does he understand, he could have easily been like, nope, but you don't need to explain it to me. I'm good. At least I'm reading it. Or he could have listened to Philip, but then that's it. Uh, because some of us, our stories would actually read that way. Philip came across uh, Jen Watson, and she was reading the book of Isaiah. And when Philip uh, explained the scriptures to her, she was good with where she was, and so she left it alone. That's how some of our stories would read. But the Ethiopian eunuch historic was that he saw an opportunity to get more. He obviously wanted his soul to prosper because Philip didn't have to even ask him or beg him. He brought it up on his own. When you are hungry and thirsty enough for your soul to prosper, nobody has to beg you. Nobody has to drag you. Nobody has to pull you kicking and screaming. But you will do whatever it takes to see to it that your soul is thriving and you have to know that that is where you will find God. Because the Bible says that they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Some of you feel empty, but how hungry have you been for your soul to prosper and for your soul to thrive? You have said, God, I feel empty. And God, I feel dry. And God is saying, but while you're feeling empty and while you're feeling dry, you never talk to me longer than five minutes. You never open up my scriptures beyond uh, the scriptures that make you feel good. You don't allow me to process you. You don't allow me to cut you. You don't allow me uh, to take you through hard trials so that you will learn how your soul can prosper. There is more for you to get. Everyone in here has more to get. I have more to get. Pastor has more to get. If you've not been baptized, maybe that's your more in this season. But guess what? Even if you've been baptized and filled with the Spirit of God, you still have more. Well, I've been walking with God 30 years. Still more. Well, I've been walking with God 45 years. Still more. Because God is just that deep and he is just that vast that you could live on this life for literally 115 years and you wouldn't have even scratched the surface of all there is to God. That is what I love about him is that man is got, he's got so much depth. I mean, God is a spirit, but y'all know what I mean, right? I mean, <clears throat> no disrespect but to him, but Jesus got some swag. I mean, that man is deep. Okay? He is deep, and he wants you to get all that he has for you to get. And that is how your soul prospers. I would be out of line with God if I took certain scriptures and made you believe that all we want you to do with this church is join a small group, feel good, and go after material possessions. Absolutely not the vision of this house because that's absolutely not the vision of Jesus Christ for your life. So if you want those feel good messages, I don't know where to refer you, but I just can't refer you here. You could probably Google feel good messages because you can Google anything these days. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure something will actually come up, right? Um, like if you, it's almost like, Google has everything. Like when you type in best coffee in the world, you all know what comes up. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Whoever said Starbucks, your soul is prospering. <laughs> I can discern it. If you said Dunkin' Donuts, keep listening. We're, we'll get there. Your soul will prosper by the end of the message. At least that's what we pray. That's what we pray. <clears throat> Dunkin' Donuts is probably going to at me one day. They really are. I'm sure they're tired of me talking about them every time I get up here. 
But listen, if you make better coffee, I wouldn't have much to say. <laughs> but I digress. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 19, we didn't read that passage of scripture, but in Acts chapter 19, verses uh, 1 through 7, Paul is, uh, has come across uh, certain disciples. And he actually asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you first believed? And they're like, listen, we don't even know if there really is such a thing. You know, we're, we're not really too sure. And, and Paul is witnessing to them. And the Bible tells us that not only were they baptized in the name of the Lord that day, but the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were speaking in other tongues. And we know it's as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Now, here's a sidebar for you. If there is anyone seated in this sanctuary who has ever been told that uh, the, the evidence of speaking in tongues is not for today, hold on. <clears throat> pull out my axe. Some of y'all know exactly what chapter I'm going to, too. Okay, maybe you don't know what chapter I'm going to. That's all right. But in Acts chapter 2, right, most people focus on verse 38, uh, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive um, the gift of the Holy Ghost. When I grew up, that's pretty much the only scripture that they, yeah, you know, um, and so some of you are like, how could that be? There's so many scriptures in the Bible. Why was that the only one they focused on? It's a, it's a long story. Um, and I don't have time for it today. But I always like verse 39. It says, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Guess who you are? The afar off. Guess who I am? The afar off. And it says, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So some of us have stopped at repentance and baptism and reading the word of God. Guess what? There's even more beyond that. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And no, it is not just so that you can run around and look crazy. No, it's not so that you can run around and say, actually, I'm bilingual because I speak English and tongues. That's not the purpose of it. But there are times when you will be in such distress, where your spirit will be so heavy, where your mind will be so confused, where you will be so frustrated that trust me words in the English language are going to fail you. I have had plenty of moments where I have not known what it is that I could say to God because I've been that sad. I've been that low. I've been that depressed. But when I get on my knees and allow the spirit of God to make intercession for me, all of a sudden my spirit begins to pray and my spirit begins to cry out to God and my spirit begins to say those things that aren't even recognizable in the human vocabulary. But I know I'm getting through to heaven I know I passed through the gates I know I've entered the throne room I know I've gone beyond the veil my soul is prospering and it's because I have allowed the Spirit of God to make intercession don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit but embrace it it is yet one other way that God will cause your soul to prosper there is more for you to get just like the disciples that Paul was conversing with and they said but we're not really sure Maybe you're sitting in here and you're unsure, but I'm going to be like Paul today and let you know, well, you can be sure before you even leave here today because God will fill you if that is your desire. More for you to get. Hmm. There is, I'm telling you, I don't know where I would be without the Holy Spirit. 
I know I wouldn't be in a good place, and I don't know where I'd be, but I know that it wouldn't be good. I don't even know how some of the prayers I've prayed over the years would be effective without the Holy Spirit. And I'm not here to say that someone who hasn't spoken in tongues hasn't prayed an effective prayer, but I'm here to let you know that there is more for you to get. If you haven't even experienced that, there's a promise of God that he's still waiting for you to cash in on that check. And y'all not, some of y'all not like me. I don't leave checks uncashed. No, you don't. <laughs> Give me a check and think I'm going to just leave it there on the table. Nope. Bank is closed. That's okay. Mobile deposits. I, you know, listen, we have an accountant. He said ATM. He's another person that doesn't leave checks uncashed. In case you're wondering who he is, his name's Osei Century. It's from Kamase, Ghana, and he does not leave checks uncashed. So cash in on that check. If you've received the Holy Spirit, great, but you still got uncashed checks. Because God always has something better and something more. So maybe, maybe you have received all of those promises of salvation, but are you fully walking in your purpose? Have you fully embraced your call? Are you living the life God wants you to live? Are you ministering to those people that God wants you to minister to? If not, you still have checks that need to be cashed. And you still have a soul that needs to continue to thrive. Some of us are alive. Obviously, if we're sitting in here, we're alive. But the, some of us are alive, but our souls are not living. That's why the Bible says, and you hath he quickened which were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Doesn't mean you were literally dead, but spiritually dead. So God had to quicken you. God is quickening us today. And tell it, listen, you may not even be living in sin, but I guarantee there is a part of your soul that still has need of being out of survival mode and starting to thrive. You absolutely need the power of God in order to thrive in this world not just survive, in order to thrive. You have to have power. But how do you get power if you do not have the spirit of God? And you shall receive power when? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Some of us push God away, and we push God away, and we wonder why we have no power. Wonder why our churches don't thrive? Because we've pushed God away. Wonder why our schools are in a mesh? Because we've pushed God away. Wonder why there's chaos and turmoil in our families? Because we've pushed God away. Wondering why God doesn't have free reign even in our finances? Because we've pushed him away. You can't push him away and get his power at the same time. It's one or it's the other. You're either going to push him away or you're going to embrace his power. But if you embrace the power of God, you will thrive. Without the power of the spirit working in your life, your soul is not prospering. And you may be saying, but how do I know when my soul is prospering? Because is it just speaking in tongues? Nope. Because the enemy speaks in tongues. Truth be told. So you can't take speaking in tongues as the, and, and see, I, that's another way, another point how we grew up, right? <laughs> you speak in tongues, ooh, you prospering, girl. Your soul is prospering. <laughs> All right, you spoke in tongues. You're good to go. Now just wait for the rapture to come, Right? But that's not even all of it. 
Here's are some ways how you will know whether or not your soul is prospering, okay? Uh, do you have forgiveness? Meaning, are you able to forgive? Because many of us know the scriptures back to back, cover to cover. But whenever we're like talking about forgiveness, you're like, whoa, that one wasn't in my, what version do you have? I don't have forgiveness, forgiveness, mm, not finding it in my concordance. I don't, I don't know what version you have. I don't have that version though, right? Some of us know forgiveness. Some of us know peace. Hmm. If you have the spirit of God and your soul is thriving, you will have peace that surpasses all understanding. And what that means is peace that carries you through situations that you don't have an answer for. Nobody around you has an answer for it. You don't even know when you're coming out of it. You don't even know how you got into it. But yet there's something about you that still has peace. How do you know your soul is prospering? Do you have joy? Because there is a difference between happiness and joy. My happiness is predicated on what happens. My joy is predicated on the fact that I know that God's got me regardless of whether I understand or like the situation or not. Uh, want to know whether or not your soul is prospering? Do you have obedience? Can God tell you to do something and you're able to obey? Because if you're walking in disobedience, your soul is not prospering. If you have no peace, if you have no joy your soul is not thriving your soul is not prospering uh, if you are not able to go through situations in life and trust God then your soul is not prospering now trusting God does not mean that your emotions won't sometimes get out of whack because they will trusting God does not mean that you sometimes won't cry because you will trusting God doesn't even mean that you won't question him I don't know where we got that from you can absolutely ask God questions now you may not get an answer or you may not get the answer you want but the Bible never said to not question God the Bible said to be angry and sin not so even you can be angry at God God was angry didn't you see how his temper flared up when he had to turn over the uh, tables of the money changers in the temple God knows what it's like to have human emotions but while your emotions are raging is your soul prospering to the point where you can be like Job and say though he slay me yet will I trust him that's how you know when your soul is prospering. If the least little thing that happens to you at church says, makes you say, not only am I leaving church, but I'm leaving God, meaning someone says something that you don't like, is your soul really prospering? And I'm not saying you can't switch ministries because that happens all the time and for different reasons. But what I'm saying is if you know you're in the place where God planted you and someone says to you, well, um, Today, uh, for the praise team was supposed to wear black pants and you wore gray. We really wanted you to wear black and you're gone. I mean, seems laughable, but I mean, being in church all my life, I've, I've seen some things. And it'll seem like the least little thing, like, uh, oh, I haven't seen you in church in a while. What happened? Well, they told me the ushers were supposed to wear a white top. I wore cream, and they had the nerve to tell me I was supposed to wear a white top. And my thing is, if you're going to get on me about my top, is this really a place of love? Yes, it is. They just want you to be uniform. <laughs> they want you to match. That's it. They love you. They just want you to match. Right? That's all it is. But that's how you know when your soul is prospering. 
Because guess what? Some people love to harp on the offensive they've received. What about the offenses you've given? Oh, I'm so offended. People just keep hurting me. People keep saying the wrong things to me. What do you say to people? What do you do to people? I don't think there's anybody in here that can say they've never been offended, but I also don't think there's anybody in here who can say that they've never offended. And I'm not even saying you've intentionally offended, but what I'm saying is grow up and get some spiritual maturity. Allow your soul to prosper. Everything is not going to be the way you want it every single day. But hang in there. Endure hardness like a good soldier. Allow your soul to thrive. All the material things in the world don't give you endurance. The fruit of the spirit, none of the fruit that's listed has anything to do with materialism. What about long suffering? What about love? What about joy? What about patience? That is when you know your soul is prospering because guess what? Prosperity produces fruit. And if you can't even point to one fruit of the spirit that your life has produced since walking with God, then I venture to say your soul is probably surviving, but it is not thriving. And God wants you to thrive. He has so much more that he wants to give you, so much more that he wants to tell you, so much more that he wants to show you. But you've got to be in a position to thrive. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, people are okay with just surviving. There are people in, in um, the natural world who sometimes they will get opportunities come into their um, direction, and they won't take them just because they're already comfortable. And they know that, man, if I got this certificate, I could probably increase my annual salary. If I took this job, I could probably move my family forward. But the work that it's going to take... That's okay, I'll just be comfortable. Because guess what? In order for your spirit to thrive, in order for your soul to prosper, it's going to take work. I was just listening to a sermon uh, yesterday, and uh, the woman said, prayer is hard work. And I'm like, that's true. true. A true prayer life is actually hard work. Because it means you have to pray in season and out of season, meaning when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, when you think that God is good and when you think that he is not good. When you think that God has been fair, when you think that he's been unfair, when you're tired, when you're wide awake, when you're happy, when you're sad, a, a, a prosperous soul takes work, but it's just like in the natural. People that prosper aren't prosperous because they sat back with their hands folded. Steve Jobs wasn't financially prosperous and had all this busy, business savvy because he sat with his hands folded. He put in the work. Oprah Winfrey is not where she is because she sat with her hands folded. She put in the work. Prosperity takes work. <laughs> now, you can't save your soul, but the, uh, once you get past the salvation piece and you're looking for your soul to continue to prosper, you got to put the work in. God's not just going to throw you a magic pill that says, here's some anointing. You know, God doesn't just say, you are anointed, you are anointed, you are anointed. You got to put in the work. If you want to reap, you have to sow. Never understood people who would expect to reap and they have not sown. Yeah, it is called takers. It's called kids. 
want to reap where you haven't sown. I caught my son several months ago. My, he and my daughter were playing hide and seek, and she couldn't find him because he was that quiet. And he's usually, usually they'll give each other a clue. Like, they'll be like, um, Caleb, I'll give you a hint. I'm in the closet. Girl, that's not a hint. I'm like, I, please, please, I need their souls to prosper. So when God is trying to hide them, they're not like, actually, I'm over. Just keep quiet, okay? And, and so we, they were playing hide and seek, and she couldn't find him. He was so quiet, and it was to the point where I was almost getting nervous, wondering if he had, like, walked out the door because he knows how to unlock the front door now. And so I was like, did he walk outside? I mean, we were going frantic. This little boy was in the pantry eating animal crackers. And so I looked at him and I said, boy, are you eating animal crackers? No, ma'am. I'm like, okay, now here's one thing we have to establish. Um, <coughs> if you lie, putting ma'am at the end of it actually doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't move me. Crumbs all on your face. Breath smells like animal crackers. And he's like, uh, no, ma'am. Haven't been eating animal crackers. Uh, but that's called reaping where you haven't sown. You didn't buy those animal crackers? <laughs> you, I, I, you have not sent out email marketing to customers this week like I had to do. You've not been working hard at your desk like dad had to do. Didn't buy the animal crackers. Didn't buy the gas that it took for me to get to the animal crackers. But you are reaping. That's an aside. Classic example of people who reap. I mean, yeah, reap, but don't sow. But in the spiritual realm, it doesn't actually work that way. You cannot, you see, you've got to be walking so closely with God that when you find yourself in an emergency and you don't have time for a two-hour prayer, you can say, Jesus, and he knows exactly what you are standing in need of. That's how you know your soul is prospering. You don't have time for a lot of words. You don't have time for a lot of antics. You don't have time to pull up your favorite worship song. You ain't got time for Tasha Cobbs because there's not that much time. You ain't got time for Kirk Franklin or Travis Green. You ain't got that much time. You're in an emergency. You're on the highway. A car's about to hit you. You don't have time to pray a long-winded prayer. You don't have time to recite all the scriptures you learned in your small group. You don't have that kind of time, but you've been walking with God so consistently, you've been praying so fervently, you've been in your words so hard, you've been seeking God's face so uh, heavily, you've been up at midnight, you've been up at dawn, and so when you say, Jesus, everything that you need is encompassed in that because your soul is prospering and you are thriving. Somebody that's just surviving and only talks to God when they need something, now you feel guilty because you need him and you want him, but you know you haven't been uh, paying him any attention just like in the natural sense you feel guilty when you have to go to somebody that you know you've not been communicating with or conversing with because now you got to start well you know I love you and you you know I admire you and you know I don't have time for all that I don't have time to get ready I gotta stay ready because there's a war going on outside of these four walls and I am not comfortable with lifting my hands once a week and thinking that that is okay I've got to be on guard. I've got to stay ready. I've got to stay focused. Because guess what? Nothing catches my God off guard. But God can also give me something called discernment. And he can activate that in my life. And so without even realizing it, I can be praying for the prevention of a car accident, not knowing there's about to be a car, five-car pileup on my way to work. I can pray that somebody would be healed from cancer.
cancer before they even get the diagnosis. I can pray that God would make a shift in my career before I even know that they're planning to hand me a pink slip just two weeks from now. Why? Because when your soul is prospering, you are in constant contact with God and you are not just surviving, you are thriving. You are not just alive, but now you are living. I'm wrapping up soon, but in the third epistle of John, third John verse two that we read, he says, I want you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And some have taken this scripture and only focused on that first half. I want you to prosper and be in good health. But um, John is talking to Gaius and he's actually telling him, even as your soul prospers, because Gaius, um, if, you, if you research him, his uh, spiritual life was so on point that basically John was saying, listen, all this other stuff you got going on, if we could get the natural to match up with the spiritual, you'd be in great shape. But the great thing about Gaius was that even if the natural never, God never allowed it to line up with the spiritual, he was still in good shape because he was in communication with God. And that's what you've got to understand, that even if God does never does a, anything else for you in the natural, if you have a blossoming relationship with God in the spiritual, you are okay I said to God what do I say to your people today and he said I just want them to know that while I am going to manifest material blessings for them this year it would grieve me if they never sought me for spiritual blessings. It would grieve me if their souls weren't prospering. It would grieve me if they didn't take any steps closer to me. Because he wants us to know that it's not in what he can give us, what we can attain, what we can obtain but it is in whether or not our souls are prospering. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.